Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Hey everybody, welcome to Chop Talk. I'm your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. Also, please share the show link on Facebook, where you can also check out pictures from this week's show, and check out Twitter for any Chop Talk updates. This week's guest, Philip Keppel, is a true American karate pioneer. Sensei Keppel has been practicing martial arts for over 60 years, starting in 1956 in Yokohama, Japan, then training with Yoshio Kawaguchi and Richard Kim, then moving on to Hawaii to train in Kaju Kimbo with Adriano Imperato, before returning to Illinois and joining Robert Trias and the USKA. His many, many credits include opening the first karate school in Illinois in 1959, helping to organize the first karate tournament in the Midwest, and founding the United States Karate Dokai. He has seen and been involved with every stage of karate's development in the U.S., and aside from all of his accomplishments, his students have gone on to become some of the most recognizable and influential martial artists in the country. On Saturday, August 18th, the USKK will be hosting a seminar, exhibition, and dinner to celebrate Sensei Keppel's 80th birthday. It will be held at the Holiday Inn in East Peoria, Illinois, and I will post the flyer on the Chop Talk Facebook page. To find out more about Philip Keppel, his organization, the United States Karate Dokai, and the upcoming seminar, visit www.uskk.org. Or contact his dojo directly at its new location, 8900 North Industrial Road in Peoria, Illinois, 309-691-5280. So let me wish a happy early birthday to both Mr. Keppel and one of our previous Chop Talk guests, Richard Awad, who's listening out there somewhere. Also, I'd like to say get well soon to Chop Talk's number one fan, Barbara Craig, who can't seem to stay out of the hospital recently. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Well, you know, first, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to, to talk with me. Hey, you're part of our group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like, uh, you know, David is uh, originally from this school, and, mm. um, and uh, everybody that's involved with him is part of it also, so... You're always welcome here as any member of our organization. Absolutely, I appreciate it, and I've always felt welcome, so mm-hmm. I really do appreciate that. You know, you grew up in Peoria, right? Yes. I. Well, I, you know, when I left for the Navy, I was still 17. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did. And um, then when I came back, I was in Peoria, Chicago, I'm back in Peoria. And right. But primarily, yeah, this is my, my home. Right. So when you left for the Navy, there was there was nothing like karate in Peoria at all. You probably hadn't even heard of it at that point. When I came back in uh, late 1959, 1960, people, a town of over 100,000 people, mm-hmm. no one even knew what the word was right. at that time. And, uh, of course, judo has been there in the United States for a long time. Right especially in the major cities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if it weren't for, you know, a good friend of my father's, who was also a police officer at a judo school, and uh, we became fast friends over the years. And mm-hmm. he became well-known in karate also, was Douglas Gross. Okay. And uh, he had the school, and it was Doug's judo dojo. He taught nothing but judo. Mm-hmm. He was a student of uh, Masaroka in Chicago. and. Uh, and he, and he taught judo, and we established a karate program there with him. Mm-hmm. And we really outgrew the place. I mean, it just yeah. really picked up and took off. Uh, and uh, we had a 
kind of get out on our own then, right. which we did. But it seems like at that time, a lot of karate schools started in the back room of judo schools. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say if it weren't for the judo people, we wouldn't even be here today because, mm. you know, I'm going to tell you something else that's kind of interesting, too. We can, it'll kind of, kind of works its way into it. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, with Turner's Dojo in, uh, Bill Turner's Dojo in uh, Gary, Indiana, where Demers and Fassbender were out of, they were part of the first Chicago Yudan Chikai, mm -hmm. along with myself and Chuck Krasinski and John Keehan. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, all of those, you know, uh, Keehan was with uh, uh, Gene Wyka up in Chicago, the big judo school mm -hmm. at 79th National. And, and, uh, I was down here with Gross, and right. like I said, we uh, we formed the Chicago uh, Karate Yudanchkai in about 1960, 61. Okay. And uh, Grzynski was uh, quite a, he was a trained policeman at the Chicago Police Academy, mm. and Chuck was a, uh, a Kyoshinkai practitioner okay. of Masoyama. And uh, I don't know where he picked that up, but that's, that was the style he worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, between the one, two, three, four, five of us, we formed up the uh, Chicago Karate Danchkai and held the first little mini tournaments and this type of thing. Right. Of course, the first big one was in 63 when John had the USKA mm -hmm. and Grand Nationals there. Right. With Sensei, Tris. Well, the karate tournaments got huge. I mean, everybody was competing in these from all around the country by the 60s and the 70s. But it, th this early on, were, was it mostly the people from those five or six schools? We had the first tournament in, in the Midwest, in, in Illinois, at 99th and Western. I ended up teaching there for a while, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, not at that time. John Keehan was working there. Charlie Barano was his dojo. That's where I met Tony Zverbalis, Julka, who was my teacher, judo mm -hmm. teacher. Mm -hmm. Later became my karate student. And, and uh, anyway, at that dojo, we had the first tournament, I believe it was in 1960, between um, the students of uh, out of Gary, Indiana, uh, two dojos in Chicago, and Peoria. Okay. And it was, you know, on a weekend, and it, I think we had probably 40, 50 people, and it took us about 12 hours, to, <laughs> 12 hours to do the tournament. I mean, that's, you know, we absolutely had no idea. Well, there was no, there was no precedent, no, right? No. You guys were setting the first one here, yeah, and did. even there was nothing nationally. Well, the only thing either. we had to look at was the uh, All Japan Championships, you mm -hmm. know, in '56 over, and they kind of led the way. But I mean, there weren't a whole lot of people here that participated or, you know, competed right. even in them. Right. And uh, so, I mean, the people that really walked it out in this type of thing was Ozawa out in California, uh, Nishiyama out in California, mm -hmm. Kanazawa in New Jersey, you know, it in England, Mikami in New Orleans. You know, they were all, all Japan champions. Mm -hmm. JK put them out worldwide, and th they really carried the ball. Mm -hmm. uh, we, and uh, amazingly enough, in 63, when we had the tournament in Chicago. It was a tremendous success, tremendous turnout. We had a lot of uh, participation out of people that, uh, we had a nice participation out of the Marine Corps detachment out of Cherry Point, North Carolina with uh, Pearson, uh, the Sirlashi Shonru people, and then mm -hmm. a lot of the Ishinru people, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, Bowen, and uh, who, uh, you know, these people became famous later on. And right. Tremendous. Uh, it just was a very good, very big, very good turnout. Mm -hmm. And actually, of all the tournaments that we've ever had, that was probably the best because we came together. Right. Really were happy that we could do it. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole, there wasn't a lot of politics involved in it. Yeah. And uh, the thing about it is we were all kind of doing it for the first time. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it was just a tremendous effort, and and the goodwill that went out of it, and everything like that. Uh, we just never could repeat it, really, to tell you the truth. Not none right. of those circumstances. Right. That was 1963 in Chicago, Chicago, uh, Chicago University. Yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, I had interviewed uh, James McLean 
and you know he, he was, was there that day. Was he? he? Oh yeah, he was. He was with a group. Uh, it was really funny because they took a parade, did a nice uh, spread down in the Chicago Weekend Supplement, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that they had in the papers, and this type of thing. And they had a big shot of the arena. And of course, all the teams lined up from the different dojos. Mm -hmm. There were all these white geese around, and of course, coming out of Hawaii, <laughs> I had the black ones. Right. And there was that strip of black geese, and Jimmy competed, was there and competed in that tournament. Yeah. Oh wow. He was, I think, he was a brown belt at the time. That's great. You know, one of the things that he mentioned in in our interview was that at at that time everybody was hungry for knowledge. So he mentioned doing it and he said and there's other people that i've heard have done it they'd hitchhike almost literally across the country oh, yeah. for a kata so if there was somebody you're in peoria if there's somebody in who knows chicago or uh, you know memphis or wherever they were that had that extra little bit of information people would go and they'd be happy to learn it and bring it back well, we, we had a lot of visitors come through here of all places right you know on the way from chicago to st louis or you know points from east we uh, west to east mm -hmm. east to west you know and uh you know those were very good times i mean back then when we had tournaments i remember when glen Keeney held the uh grand nationals in anderson indiana he did it a couple of times mm -hmm. six or seven thousand spectators wow yeah spectators wow 500 competitors okay yeah you don't see that. It's, no. You know, you just can't. It's never been repeated. No. And, and especially now uh, where, you know, I think a lot of the schools are not emphasizing tournaments. A lot of the people that are practicing aren't in it for the tournaments as much. But also there are all these different groups. And they're not, like you said, the, you know, the, the ones in 63, everybody was together and they were happy to be together. Now, they're so they're so separated. If you don't belong to this organization, you're not allowed to come here. If you're not this style, you can't go. You can't go there. And I think it's hurt the development of karate that some of these things aren't aren't open. Well, Glenn Keeney and I were talking about it, and like he says, it's, it's never going to be the same. Right. It's just never going to be the same. It's evolved. Uh, it's, the good part of the evolution is that the people that train. Uh, have better have great training methods and they mm -hmm. have you know better equipment in this type of thing than what we had we were very crude mm -hmm. and uh you know but and the reason that the tournaments have waned a lot is there's so many right you know at the time uh i remember parker sheldon was really uh chasing points in tournaments parker attended in one year uh, 50-some tournaments. Mm. Yeah, I competed in 50-some tournaments wow. for points. One a week at least. One more, sometimes two. Right. I can remember when my daughter, stepdaughter Vicky, was competing, that we went out to Phoenix, flew out to Phoenix in a private plane. It was a 210 Centurion. There were about five of us. Mm -hmm. And flew out to where Mr. Trius, they had a tournament out there in, I'm trying to think, uh, Apache Junction. But Apache Junction at the time was... <laughs> Compared to today, Apache Junction, I mean, it's not even the same. It's almost like Yokohama's today, different than when I was over there. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it is, is that we flew out, and uh, she was in the point running, and uh, so she competed out there. Mm -hmm. with the tournament they had out there was sanctioned. And I took her to the Phoenix airport, put her on an airplane that night after the tournament, and she flew back to Pennsylvania to compete on Sunday. And, you know, and I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, just because, you know, that's the way you did it. Right. So, uh, it, uh, and I'll be honest with you, the thing about it is, it isn't because we were wealthy or anything like that. We just did it because we wanted to do it. Right. Yeah. God, I, I don't know how many people have stayed in my dojo, lived in my dojo, you know, for small, not long periods of time, but, sure. you know, they come through for a week or so. And then, they're there for a week. Right. Not anymore. It's different now. Yeah. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much-needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy. 
try their Oxygen Japer to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATEC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATEC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www.a-tac.net. Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. Well, now, you mentioned Yokohama a second ago, and that is where you first started. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. So everybody looks at you, and you're the, you're the head of the style, you're the highest rank, but there was a point where you didn't know what karate was, and you were, you were just <laughs> starting out. Yes, I didn't. I had no idea. I knew what judo was, you know, and I knew I was going to Japan, and I didn't really pursue it when I got there, but there were people on my base that were with a couple of different clubs in Yokohama. And uh, I went with a kid off my watch section. It, it made brown belt in there. And, uh, oh, wow. I can't even remember his name now. I'm telling you, this was 1956 or 57, so, mm-hmm. you know, how many years ago is that? 60? It's over 60, right. put it that way. <laughs> so anyway, I, I can remember going down there at the time, and I was very impressed. I mean, you know, what the heck. The Japanese were... They're tremendous, tremendous competitors. I'm going to tell you that right now. They, uh, their reaction time and everything to this day is amazing. Okay. Right. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, I got involved there, and then, and, then and, uh, and I was uh, a young guy, and then I went a lot to Friars Gym, which was a very big uh, armed forces facility, recreation area built for the. Armed Forces, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, in that okay. area. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of big basketball courts. It looked like a big armory, you know what I'm talking right. about? Like right, right. And uh, in there they had a uh, weight room and a, a, a room with a bag and a ring in it and this type of thing. I used to go down and play basketball there and pick up games when we were on them. And I'd been with, I'd been with Yohiro Kawaguchi for a while with uh, Shitoru style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I wasn't as active as I got later on. Right. And I happened, this where I happened to run into Richard Kim, who uh, Sensei was something else. He was an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fluent. You know, Kawaguchi hardly spoke English. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Now, Richard Kim, he was he was an American citizen, right? But Richard was Kim was born in Hawaii. Okay. And during the Second World War, he's a Korean Descent, okay, but born an American citizen in Hawaii, and it was a major in the United States Army in the, in the CID, Central Intelligence Division. Okay, so there was a lot of intrigue around Sensei. Uh, he, when he was in Japan in Yokohama, he had ties yet back to the military. Mm-hmm. You know, he was out. Right. Uh, he did something that no one over there did. He owned a bar, an mm. American. It was called the Dragon's Den. It was down in the town. He had a couple of Hawaiian guys over there with him to work for him. Huh. Jimmy Leone was one of them who was very famous uh, Hawaiian karate person. Right. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, Sensei, uh, of course, uh, Kankan Toyama was the one that really influenced his karate. He had others. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember when Patrick McCarthy was here in Peoria, he gave me a picture of uh, Kim Sensei with uh, Kanka Tuyama when he made his eighth degree black belt. And he happened to be taken at Friars Gym. Huh. Long, long after <laughs> I was there. Long after I'd left, right. you know. And, you know, I'd, after I'd, I'd, I didn't get a chance to really work with him a long time because mm-hmm. I got moved out to Hawaii early mm-hmm. because of the Navy uh, needed people. What, in my, what I did, they needed was in Hawaii, so. Right. I ended up there. That's where I ran in Everardo. But 
I did run into Sensei you know, a couple of times. I ran into him in, in uh, San Francisco when I was there. Did he run a, a school out of the the Y in San Francisco? He taught at the San Francisco Y. Okay. Uh, not all the time, but he was because he was up around uh, what's the capital of uh, California? Uh, Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah, he was living up around the Sacramento area, but he'd come down to San Francisco and, and teach at the Y. Okay. He still was very influential with a lot of the, a lot of the Asians. Well, the way that I think a lot of a lot of people know the name is through his book, Weapons Warrior. Right, because sure. that that's the best introduction to karate history. That's one of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, it, it's great. You know, anybody we get that that comes in and wants to know, well, who, how did this happen? I'm like, you know, get that book and start That's there. Very good. And it's he's a, he tells stories. That's, he's a great storyteller. But, but Robert W. Smith, mm. who is um, he, he's an amazing guy. He Robert Smith was born in Iowa, uh, which is right eighty miles from here, and uh, Bob Smith was. Orphaned, and was in an orphanage over in Galesburg, and and grew up there. And then during his high school years, a family, Catholic family from here, in Peoria, brought him here to Peoria. And Bob huh. Smith went to Spalding High School before he went to Marine Corps. I lived, did not know it, but I lived at the time. I was ten years younger. I lived about three blocks down the street from him. Now I've never <laughs> met him or anything like that. You know, he came and went, and I didn't even know it. Right. But uh, the thing about it is, is that uh, Robert Smith was a wordsmith. He, he wrote all the old books, mm -hmm. you know, back. They're almost comical today when you read them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he, he in his time when, when he was in, he, his, he had a tremendous judo background. I don't know if you've read uh, what was the last one he did? Well, he did some books with Drager also. And Drager and him were very close. Okay. Yeah, Drager and him were close when they were in Japan. And they trained judo together at the Kodokan together okay. in Japan. And he, and I'm trying to think of the one that he, I'm going to, ha I'll have to get back to you with it. Sure. It's a great book. It's a great book and it's his life story. Because see what he did is he went through the Marine Corps then he went through and, and furthered his education and, uh, you know, came out and was an analyst with the Central Intelligence Agency in Taiwan. Hmm. And that's where he picked up his Chinese. Oh, okay. Martial arts, eh? Okay. Which he taught till the day he died. But, I mean, it was, a, it was really crazy because I had, uh, sitting in my dojo up the street here before we moved, and the guy called me on the phone. He said, Phil, he says, um, he says, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, have you ever heard of Bob Smith, Robert Henry Smith? I said, oh, heck yeah. So I've been re right. I read his books back in the 60s. That's all we had to read. Right. And uh, he said, well, you know, I married, he and I married sisters. He said, and uh, Bob, uh, all over the years, sent my son, all these books that he wrote, they're all inscribed and everything, and we're moving and scaling down to a smaller place to live. He said, would you be interested in it? And I said, oh, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yes. He brought me a stack of stuff. And it was oh, all, you know. Wow. It, it was to him. And he, and he told me at the time, he said, Bob is a wordsmith. He said, and Phil, he said, you ought to really contact him. And I thought, that's worth a try. So Doug Perry knew him pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he was out in, um, in North Carolina. Asheville is where he was living. And I wrote him, and my God, he wrote me back. And uh, we, we corresponded for a while, and I, I'll never forget that I went out before to one, teach at one of Perry's little Okinawa camps. Mm -hmm. And on the way, Greg Funk from Peoria here with me went out, and I said, we're going to stop at Bob Smith's place. And uh, we went there, and he and his wife were just wonderful. We spent about three or four hours there with him. And, uh, you know, we became fast friends. And boy, that was when he died. He, he was quite, uh, like I say, he's ten years older than me, mm -hmm. which would have made him about ninety now. Right. But he's been dead now for about five years. But I knew some of his students. I still know him today and correspond with him. Mm -hmm. But he is—he is the influence on Tai Chi and Papua in the United States. There's nobody any better or knows anything more about it. Yeah. So anyway, it. Uh, that that was really an experience that I never expected, you know, sure. that late, going that late in life. 
he was. He did know Drager quite well. Uh, Jim? Yes, sir. What was Bob Smith's last book? Do what, Sensei? Bob, Robert W. Smith's last book that he wrote. Check in there and find out and see if you can find out for me. Robert Smith, yes, sir. His last one he wrote. Somebody in there, I don't know. That's what happens when you get old. You can't remember these well, things. Well, him and, and all the... You know, at, at that time, I think the, the people, so, you know, people are listening to this on the internet. Uh -huh. So they can they can pause this conversation, they can go over and, and Google his, you know, Robert W. Smith and look mm -hmm. at Wikipedia and then go watch something on YouTube mm -hmm. and do all these things. Um, or they can, you know, go down to any strip mall and find the, the karate school that's closest to them. But at that time, there wasn't that no. much material there. No. So all. When he came out with his first writings, this was back in the 60s. Right. And he didn't write for a long time. And then he got involved in, in, in like I said, he wrote this last book. And I'm going to tell you something, Nate, as, as a student of karate. Uh, he, he never was a student of karate. But I appreciated him as a judoka. Mm. Because many of the people, he studied in Osaka's dojo up in Chicago, John Osaka. And that's where he kind of ended up with, with Art Broadbent and all those guys up there mm -hmm. who are. Yeah, Legends in Chicago judo, and uh, when he talks about <laughs> he talks about Drager, he, uh, he and he and he tells a story uh, very quickly. Sure, he tells a story about not being in the dojo to train in Osaka. John Osaka was uh, probably the best American judoka, one of the best that ever lived. Uh, he and uh, Vince Tamora just went head on head. Mustamora's brother, anyway. It was really the, the Osaka Dojo was really famous, and he and Art Broadbent went to a movie or something like that that day. And uh, Art Broadbent was uh, about fifth degree, and I got to train with I got to train judo with Art. I knew Art pretty mm -hmm. well. In fact, I had John Osaka throw me a few times, but Art was really a gentleman. And anyway, he he said when the night that they were there was the night that Don Drager walked into. Uh, Osaka's dojo up there, and he says, I'm Don Drager, I'm a fourth degree black belt, and I trained at the Kodokan. He <laughs> said, and boy, I missed the biggest party in the world, because they just gave, they gave him a basin, boy. Those guys were good, mm. I'm telling you. Hank Okamura, Tom Watanabe, Art Bravet, John and George Colgan, these are, oh man, yeah. these guys were judo players. Yeah. And Robert W. Smith. Hey everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karateka. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. I hate to get off on the subject like that. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's all on the subject. Yeah. So anywhere we go is on the subject. You know, you know, like we mentioned earlier, a lot of the, most of the early karate schools started started along with judo school. I think even Funakoshi was teaching in the Kodokan in in Tokyo at one time. That's the only way he. That was his lifeline to get in the Budokai. Mm -hmm. Was the founder of judo and the founder of Aikido. Right. They sponsored them. He wouldn't have been in there. Right. I mean, he, you know, they, they, he was this little school teacher from Okinawa. And uh, the thing about it is, is that uh, he could have he been scratching all his life. You were spent time in Japan. Yes. You know the hierarchy, how things work. Yes, there. I do. You know, and uh, believe me, Okinawans were, that's like, uh, oh, yeah. That's like being Mississippi here. Right. You know, that's how people in Chicago would treat people in Mississippi. Right. They turn their back on them. And it's right. not right, but that's that happens. Right. But Cosmopolitan Japan was not ready to accept Okinawan karate. No. And uh, if it weren't for Jigoro Kano and uh, the founder of Aikido, mm -hmm. they, it, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, Funakoshi was, you know, from everything that I've read, a much more polished guy than uh, Motobu, who was there at the same time. Oh. Yeah. Even if Motobu 
you know, whoever you read and whoever you believe, that's fine, folks. But you know, it sounds like Motobu was he's you know, screwed. Yeah, was a pretty tough and and, and uh, very crude. Uh, very Koshi was Koshi was a cocky And that's what let that be popular because he had the. He could probably speak the Japanese native language better. Oh, he had the he connections. Was a teacher. He was educated. Right. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, look at the people that came out of Funakoshi's dojo, you know. Right. It just, uh, it was something else. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the uh, same Robert Smith. Robert W. Smith, yes. Born yeah, that was the Yeah, it's Robert W. Okay, his last book. Marshall Musings. That's what it is, right? Um... I haven't seen that one in here. It'll be there. It looked like there was some on uh, Chinese right. writing arts. Right. Marshall Musings was his last one. All right. I'm all sure. I've not read that one. I'm going to check you, that one You out. have to because, I mean, when you're done with it, you know, it's it's a great read. I, yeah. I don't see that one. Yeah, it's there. I, I got it at home. <laughs> it. <laughs> I just still pick it up and read parts of it. <laughs> He talks about, I'll tell you, Smith. See, that's why you can't believe everything you see on the internet, because yeah. it's not all there. <laughs> Smith talks about, he talks about uh, judo. I want to tell you something. He, I can't remember, the All-Japan champion in judo went down to Cuba on a tour. I'm trying to think of which one it was. He was a terror. I mean, this was a big guy. I mean, this is after the, you know, he was a, I mean, my big uh, Japanese guy, he was he was a 200-pound-plus judo player. Mm -hmm. And he was All-Japan champion quite a few times. And he was down in Cuba and worked out with the Cuban. And of course, the, the Harry Kennis from the Kodokan, All-Japan champion. Mm -hmm. They got the major uh, clubs in Havana, mm -hmm. the judo clubs. And, and then they had black belts lined up, you know, to, you know, you had to train with them. Mm -hmm. So, being a gentleman, he goes in. And he starts working with them, and he lets them throw. I mean, if they come in good and they form up and they and they, you know, they mm -hmm. set up and this type of thing. Right. He he'd go along with them and take sure. take the fall. Sure. Because he was teaching. Okay. Right. When he got back to the hotel, he gets a call from Japan from the Kodokan, and the people over there in Cuba said, "What are you sending this old man over here for?" You know, I mean, he's nothing. We throw him, we're throwing him all <laughs> over the place. And he just, he didn't say a word. You just see him steaming. So somebody told Smith this, yeah. who was traveling with this guy. Uh -huh. This is one part of that book. This is why I say, oh, okay. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And Smith, Smith says, he went in the next day and lined up 30 of them and went down the line and didn't spend any longer than five or six seconds with any other. <laughs> <laughs> and he broke bones, oh. threw them so hard they bled. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man. And, and uh, you know, I mean, here he was, you know, and it was the wrong thing to do. Right. Oh, God. I, that's why I like that book so well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a performative, you know. I wonder if we got another call from Tokyo saying you can't be beating up the the, the Cubans so bad. Yeah. They're going to leave the Federation. No, no, no. <laughs> they knew they did wrong, boy. <laughs> they knew they did wrong. It, uh but I mean, that's you know, Bob Smith has got a. You know the thing about I mean, we'll get we'll leave Bob Smith go after I'm done with this. E. J. Harrison from England, the first person ever to do anything with the judo in Europe hmm. was a friend of Bob. Was a friend of uh, of uh, Robert W. Smith. You don't go any no. back than that. No. I mean, they correspond and they, you know, they talk and this type of thing. Yeah, E.J. Harrison. I mean, you you start and you go to the history of Joe and outside of Japan, you know. He's one of the first ones. Oh, yeah. They even recognized, the got even recognized. He was in London. Mm. He was big around the turn of the century, around 1900, you know. Wow. And uh, Bob Smith really got to know him well. And, uh, and, uh, there's quite a bit. He covers quite a bit of stuff. What he does with him and that. Mm -hmm. Marshall Musings. That's that's the name of the book. Gotta check that one out. Yeah, sure. it's it'll be worth your time.
This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on The Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. An interesting life, I'll tell you. So you, we, you left off your, with your training uh, in, in Hawaii. So you got in with Imperato there and were doing... That was the most intense training I've had. You know, up until that point, it was, it was kind of hit and miss when I was in Japan. I was with Kaguchi Sensei. And I learned, you know, I learned the basics, which mm -hmm. are great. I mean, it's where you start. Right. And, I, and then I started kind of all over again with Mr. Kim. But his teaching concepts were quite a bit different. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he did was a little different. But uh, the thing about it is, then when, right when I started formulating something there, then I kind of moved on again. And I got into Hawaii, in with Imperato. And that, that is really different. That's a different story altogether. I'm going to be sure when I do this, I do it right. Yeah, sure. And the reason I say that is, don't think I'm, I'm not talking him down or anything mm -hmm. like that. But uh, his karate was uh, I'm not going to say not polished. It was it was polished because it worked. Okay. Okay. But uh, the thing about it is, is that they really looked up to a lot of the Japanese and Okinawan people yet because they knew they had a lot of technical things they could learn. Right. But I'm going to tell you something, the training was just, it was really tough. And and the thing about it is, I, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I boxed in the Navy, so I mean, the thing about it is, uh, you know, I was used to, used to taking care of those things, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that. And I, and I uh, made some friends there that I probably kept the rest of my life, you know. Mm -hmm. That I still see today. You know, when you say the training was was tough, and you mentioned the boxing, was it just that you guys were sparring all the time and busting well, each yeah, other up, or was it the calisthenics, or was it? We did we did waza, but we hit each other. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and we hit each other way too hard. Mm -hmm. And and the thing about it is the physical abuse. Uh, uh, you know, you stand there like in what we would call Kibidachi and mm -hmm. Titan, you know, and you're working and punching and something like this. They come up and hit you and fold you. I mean, hit you and fold you. Wow. You know? I mean, it, it, and uh, and when you do the tricks, you, you, everybody, you know, we're supposed to be pulling stuff, and it it didn't pull. I, I don't know if I ever, you ever heard this story before. I, I was taking a pretty good beating in there. And I mean, I, I was to the point to where, you know, I, I was literally getting the hell kicked out of me. Right. And uh, I had a good friend, Jim, too, and it took me into the club. I mean, you had to have somebody that sponsored you. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy was there for a long time before I was, and one of the higher-ranking members of the club. And like he said, Phil, he says, you, you're, you're, you're not going to last. I said, boy, I said, I, you know, because I'm urinating blood. And wow. the thing about wow. it is, wow. is that, uh, you know, he said, uh, this is what you got to do. He said, you know, you expect to take it because you knew it, you were tightening up, this type of thing. And, you know, 60, 70% of the time they hit you but not go. Never at that 30, 20, 30% of the time they'd really nail you. That's still a pretty good percentage yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was just that way. He said, just get behind somebody in line, and you know who hangs out together in here. He'd been here long enough. Get in between two of them. 
So the next guy in line, because we'd work these lines, mm -hmm. and you'd turn around and work on the guy, and turn around and work on the guy. Guy get behind you, push you, you'd roll, you come up. Guy would attack, you'd respond. And he said, get in between two of them. He said, and as long as he's right with you, be right with his friend. He said, when he's wrong with you, have no mercy. <laughs> so That's it, the only it, thing that kept okay. me alive in there. Okay. It didn't take it was about three times for that to happen. And they understood that, you know, I was willing to go with the route. But, I mean, if I got it, then their buddy was going to get it. Right. And I, I gave it to a few of them, you know. Yeah. And, and he, he called it right. And I, like I told Jimmy, I said, you could have told me this a long time ago. Save me a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, did you get the impression that it was because you were the new guy, you were not a Hawaiian guy, or was it just everybody, Both. or is that the way that they trained? Both. And they uh, trained with the guys who've been there and they, they were buddies with. Both. I was okay. a Holly, which is okay. Right. And, you know, later on I was accepted. In fact, I resented other Americans coming in after I was one part of the gang. Right. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, the thing about it is is that... Uh, that was part of it, and part of it was I was a, you know, I was fresh meat, you know. Okay. Uh, these people, you know, we'd go, <laughs> we'd go down to King Street and watch the samurai movies and come out, and I mean, they, it was gotten pretty bad. When I right before I got there, uh, Emperor Otto's brother Joseph was uh, uh, just supposed to be even stronger than than the sensei. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really a tough guy, and he had ran with a bunch of guys. These guys were hard. And I guess I had gotten into it down in Honolulu. And this was about, I was within a year after I had, uh, uh, when I started. And uh, they went out and uh, had a confrontation, <coughs> and Joe was involved in it. And somebody jumped on Joe's back and reached over the top and hit him with a knife. Whoa. Yeah, and they, they ended up, uh, you know, I'm the guy, but Joe, the word was, and I mean, it's pretty, this is just how it came down when it was told to me. Mm -hmm. It was told more than once that he, Joe, had made it as far as his brother's home in Reno, Colorado, and died on the fence hanging out to him. Oh, my God. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, it, and I, you know, for a few years after that, every year, uh, when got to his grave and, and um, Ducata, you know, and this type of thing. And, but they were really, they were, they were really a tough lot of guys. Well, it, it sounds like it because they weren't, they weren't training for the fun of it or for a tournament. They were uh, training because they might have a guy jump them. Let me try. I don't know when Jim McLean talked to you or not. Did he tell you about the demonstrations we did? Uh, no, I don't think he brought that up. Uh, when Before I switched over to Sensei's show, Ray Ruth at the time, mm -hmm. first one, then, then uh, Shuri Goju, and then Shuri Ruth, mm -hmm. I still worked for Kaj Kempel. And I remember we at tournaments, they'd have demonstrations, and Jim, Jim would be my Uki. And and the thing about it is that uh, we uh, what I'd do is I'd work the tricks. You know, here comes Jim, here comes the punch, bang, 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 take him down, mm -hmm. you know, take him to the ground, hit him when he's on the ground, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> two, two things. First of all, we're in Kansas City at the Grand Nationals, and we're doing this seminar. And when it's over, Jim and I are off to the side, you know, how are you doing, Okay, since so yeah, boom, 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 you know, we're watching what's happening. Mm -hmm. This guy comes up and he says, uh, I'm a doctor. He said, are you guys okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're okay, yeah. You know, he said, you sure? And I said, sure. Because we hit each other mm. and hit each other pretty hard. That's why we trained in the beginning when we started out. Right. Uh, I remember Parker Sheldon talking one time. We were laughing. And he said, uh, I don't know if you know who Parker is. I do. And uh, Parker was, it was a party or something like that afterwards. We were talking about old times and things like this and that. I said, yeah. I said, I'm glad I don't have to do those demonstrations with Jimmy anymore. <laughs> I said, I mean, there's, you know, I'm getting a little too old for that. 
And uh, somebody says, oh, what's that? You know, but Parker says, oh, that? He said, you could turn around and be talking to somebody with your back to it, and you could tell what's happening back there because <laughs> you could hear them hitting each other <laughs> with your back to them. So, uh, no, I mean, that's, that was something else. Hey, everybody. Nate here. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, the Snack Nanny. The Snack Nanny is the latest, greatest spill-proof bowl. It's the first snack bowl for kids with a self-closing door. The Snack Nanny allows kids to snack freely without overeating, keeps kids entertained, and prevents them from creating a mess for mom and dad to clean up. Kids and parents love the Snack Nanny. It's easy to use, easy to clean, and includes portion control features that only the Snack Nanny offers. To order, go to www.snacknanny.com or order from Amazon. Remember, you support our sponsors and they support us. Thanks, and you hit a beer. Um, I heard a rumor once when Robert Trias came back through Hawaii and worked out at Mitusa's dojo that Imperato was starting, had just started, and he taught Imperato his first lesson or second lesson or something like that. You know, I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. I remember Sensei telling me, Sensei Trias telling me, mm-hmm. that he could remember Imperato. Meaning, see, you know, when he saw me, he had a yellow belt on. It was long on one side, short on the other. I, I've, he yeah. told me that. You yeah. know, I kind of just let it go. Right. It's not important. Right. You know. Well, uh, well, you know, it's possible because I don't know when Mitus Mitus got in a little bit of trouble at some point. Oh, very big trouble. And mm-hmm. th- it could be that, and this is just speculation. So. It, it could be that people didn't want to say they worked out with this guy who was could in this very, situation. Could very well be. Even uh, though he, yeah. they had. Yeah. No, no, James Matus was a, a factor. You know what I'm talking about? Right. I always wondered if uh, Ken Suyabu had anything to do with his his background because he did a lot in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about years before. Because uh, Ken Suyabu went through Hawaii in uh 18, well, right around the turn of the century, mm-hmm. 1900. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of Okinawan expats living in Hawaii, working in sugarcane fields, things like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, I don't know that there's no karate, Okinawan karate master that was living there, as far as anybody knows. But these groups later on, even in the 20s and 30s, would sponsor Okinawans to come over. I thought even mm-hmm. Chokimotobu got brought over, but I think he got turned around and sent sent back mm-hmm. and there's a couple others whose names I can't remember off the top of my head mm-hmm. so some of these groups were pretty passionate about it to bring these guys over even if they didn't well I want to tell you I know that when I long after I'd left and I came back to Peoria and I went to a joy in Peoria I had a brown belt named Fred Wink who went into the army he was a captain in the army and he was stationed at uh, uh, what is it not Zama Zama's in Japan uh, uh, the big army base there, where the Seventh Cavalry is. Anyway, he he was there, and uh, of course he visited Emperor's Dojo and, and trained with him, and uh, trained with uh, Sensei for quite a while. And uh, at that time, uh, the influence in that dojo was a person named Kawakami. Okay. And I don't know where he whether he was from Japan or Okinawa. I'm not sure, but Fred referred to him a lot as uh, influencing a lot with the way they trained and some of the stuff they were training with. So they were doing that, you know, I'm talking about 10, 15 years after I'd left, mm-hmm. which would have made it in the middle 60s. Okay. okay. And, it, it, you know, we keep talking about Kaju Kimbo, and you mentioned some of the teachers before, and the, where the name came from was the Ka Karate uh, Jew was the judo influence. Mm-hmm. Kim, Kim was Kimpo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaju Kimbo, what did I leave out? How do you can bow, bow for the boxing. Yeah, bow for the boxing. And so it was a combination of these teachers that mm-hmm. got together and were. Yeah, there were about four or five of them. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the uh, Kyoshin Kai, Bobby Lowell. That was it. I remember Bobby Lowell's name coming up, because he was a, a, an influence over there, either before or even while I was there. I don't know. We I never met him, but I know I had asked Sensei about Bobby Lowell, and I asked Mr. Emperor about Bobby Lowell. Right. And uh, and I said, do you know, do you know Bobby Lowe, Chief? And he said, Yeah, I know. He is. I said, You know, I, being foolish young man like I was, you know, I asked stupid questions. <laughs> and I, you know, I said, Well, you know, he's pretty good. And he, he says, He's okay. He says, uh, He's uh, 
he can give it out, but he can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you the idea of what we were working with. Right, okay. right, right. Yeah. He can hand it out, but he can't take it. Now, Bobby Lowe was well well thought of, you know. So, anyway, uh, now I'll never forget that. <laughs> now, the, the were those guys working in mini-katas at that time? Because I... I've heard that you've, you're the one who developed the Nikabuto katas. Yeah, off of, off, of, off of Everado's tricks. Okay. Those were developed off of a series of the tricks that we worked. And I did do that because I was looking for something. We didn't work kata per se. Mm -hmm. We worked pieces of pasai, mm -hmm. basai, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, basai is Japanese, basai is the Okinawan. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing is, is that... Uh, uh, we just didn't have a lot. We worked pieces of Nihonshi, but primarily the Nakabudos uh, has been so long. I had set up five mm -hmm. and taught them. And then once I got with Mr. Trius, I just forgot them. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I, you know, and the thing about it is, I've got a book where somebody's, you know, move by move by move by move. And the thing is, you know, four inches thick of the five. And there are people yet today mm -hmm. in Indiana still work them. Mm -hmm. Herb Johnson's people. I remember Herb coming over to when I was living out in Dunlap, spent a week with me, and I think I taught him three, four, and five, you know, with that time. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more of Sensei Philip Keppel. To find out more about Philip Keppel and his organization, the United States Karate Do Kai, visit www.uskk.org or contact his dojo at its new location, 8900 North Industrial Road in Peoria, Illinois, 309 691-5280. And remember, on Saturday, August 18th, the USKK will host a seminar, exhibition, and dinner to celebrate Sensei Keppel's 80th birthday. It'll be at the Holiday Inn in East Peoria, Illinois. Info will be posted on the Chop Talk Facebook page, or you can contact the dojo and the USKK directly for more info. Nia Dibiru and Mataya. everyone like the show enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world and share it with a friend family member co-worker everyone at your dojo your fellow karateka you can find new episodes every sunday at choptalk.podbean.com that's choptalk.podbean.com and don't forget to like the show on facebook thanks Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Music.